Hey guys, WFAN the Kid here, and today I will be sharing with you my NFL Divisional Round predictions. So last week in the wild card, there was a lot of fun games, and at the end of the day, after Monday night, my record was 3-3. Three and three. I don't think that was a very good record to get, you know. Half of my predictions were wrong. Some people will look at it, oh, half of my predictions were correct. I look at it, half of my predictions were wrong. That's not where I strive to be. I would like to be better. And as usual, I'm going to tell you about what I thought were the three most entertaining games from the last week of play. So let's see where some of these games went wrong. First of all, uh, the Jaguars beating the Chargers. I had the Chargers winning this game. And I thought it was a pretty solid pick. And as you all know, this pick turned out to be incorrect. For probably 45 minutes of this game, the first three quarters going into the fourth, I felt quite good about my pick. At a point, the Chargers were up 27 to nothing. And at that point, you could have heard a pin drop in Duval County. The crowd was dead, it was silent, and it didn't feel like we had a football game, much less a playoff football game going on. The Jaguars do get a touchdown to close out the first half, but nonetheless, 27-7 is pretty abysmal still going into halftime. But who else but Trevor Lawrence could turn this game around? He did. He, he played lights out in the second half, had three passing touchdowns, as opposed to the dreadful first half with four interceptions. It was really just a tale of two halves for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I give all the credit in the world to Doug Peterson, because whatever he said in that locker room woke the team up. It certainly did. And it woke Trevor Lawrence up out of whatever nervousness he was going through in his first NFL playoff game in that first half. And he started to find his receivers. He started to find Ingram and Zay Jones. And that's why the Jaguars won this game. Also, the gutsy call to go for that two-point conversion late in the game. And, and of the defense, of course, have to give credit to them, the job that they did holding the Chargers in the second half, especially after what Justin Herbert was able to do in the first half. It's uh, It was just a big difference between the first and second half, and... That, I have to say, even though Justin Herbert lost, which is not the outcome I was hoping for, it was an incredible game. One of the best NFL games that I've watched in terms of the amount of entertainment. The second game that I had on the list was the Giants beating the Minnesota Vikings. My prediction, incorrect. Daniel Jones was just incredible in this game. And that's just the type of season that Jones has had. By far the best season of his career. And he carried over what he was doing in the regular season, game after game, into Minnesota. Right from the first drive, you could tell that there was something about this Giants offense. That they came to play, there was something there. One thing that he did very interestingly and very well was running the ball. And you think that the Minnesota would have caught on to that at a point, but not really. 
they kind of were not dedicating a spy to him and whenever they gave him an inch of room or were in man coverage he would take off whether five yards six yards seven yards sometimes he got the first down he was just flying all over the place he led the team in rushing that's right he he outrushed Saquon Barkley so that was an incredible part of his game as well as just the general part of his game he threw for what like over 300 yards in his playoff debut it's pretty impressive to do on the road as for Minnesota to have the season that they had and then go in and lose this game having 13 wins it's heartbreaking it's devastating I know some Vikings fans and it was rough I'm sure it was because what they did better than any other team in the NFL this year was win tight games. They were the best clutch team in the league. 11 and 0 in one possession games going into this playoff showdown and the Giants have ended the streak. And they did so in incredible fashion. Brian Dable, what a job you've done with this team. Unbelievable. Then the next game that I picked here was kind of a toss-up between this one and the Bills-Dolphins game, but just because of one play, this game made the list, and that is the Bengals beating the Ravens. This one I did predict correctly. For the Ravens, the thing that derailed their season was Lamar Jackson's injury. And you thought each week that he had a possibility to play, but it just seemed like week after week after week this injury was persisting and keeping him out. And it persisted all the way into the playoffs. So Tyler Huntley was the quarterback, and his stat line was okay. I mean, he had 226 passing yards, two touchdowns, one interception. The one thing that killed his team, though, and completely flipped the entire story of the game was fumbling on the two-yard line. The score was tied at 17, and he had the chance to be the hero, sneak over the middle into the end zone, and give the Ravens a seven-point lead. But instead, he loses the ball. Gets uh, almost picked up right into the hands of Hubbard. And he returns at 98 yards for a touchdown. And that is a pretty big guy on defense. I saw him on oxygen after he made this play. Deservedly got his oxygen. But what a job that is. I mean, as a player on the defense, the mindset is stop them. You're not trying to catch the ball out of midair and do what he did. But he did it and then ran it back. Mark Andrews was the only Raven that I saw trying to tackle him. But nobody could catch him. He would not be stopped. He wanted that touchdown so bad. And it turned out to be the game-winning touchdown. And it was just a crazy, crazy way to cap off this game. I mean, there was still time. Definitely enough time for teams still to score after that. But nobody else did. So that was the difference in the game. Alright, it was definitely a fun weekend to watch football a lot of very fun games but now getting into the divisional games we begin saturday at 4 30 the fourth seed jaguars are heading to arrowhead 
to face the top seed Chiefs. The first time we're going to be able to see the Chiefs in the playoffs this year. They had the first round bye. And Patrick Mahomes is ready. I'm sure he is. He's been in this situation before. He is a veteran. And in these high-pressure games, especially at home in Arrowhead, he shines. That's what he does best. Uh, Travis Kelsey, definitely his favorite target that he has remaining on the team, was huge this year. He was arguably the best tight end in all of football. I've even heard some notions of him in the MVP race. See, he's not really in the race, but just goes to show you what kind of an incredible season that he provides year in, year out. Kadarius Tony, also, I would look to maybe have a nice game. He joined the Chiefs in the middle of the year from the Giants in a trade, and he did have a receiving touchdown in the last game, so just a receiver to keep an eye on. As for the Jaguars, <laughs> it was just talking about their uh, Cinderella comeback. And it's just crazy to think that they were here, that where they were, sorry, where they were in that game, you know, flashing forward, and they're moving on to the next round. They were a 5-8 and eight team, or 4-8 and eight actually, I believe, before they went on their crazy run with Doug Peterson to end the year. And just to be competing in any kind of playoff game and win it is incredible. And now Trevor Lawrence is going to be going to a crazy venue in the biggest game of his life. And unfortunately for the Jags, I believe your run ends here. That's why I'm picking the Chiefs to win this game. It does have to do with experience. Like I said, Patrick Mahomes, been there, done that. Not so much for Trevor Lawrence. I think you could tell that he was having some jitters there in the first half with his four interceptions and missing open receivers, checkdowns. He wasn't really doing much right. But as the game went on, he progressed, he got into rhythm. But he, he can't afford to have another start like this in Arrowhead. Because the Chiefs are a team that, when they take a lead on you, they're not likely to give it up. They hold on to those leads. And Trevor Lawrence, I did hear him saying today, he's not concerned about the venue at Arrowhead, or for the fans that matter. He said he does not think it's going to be much different than the fans in Duval County in Jacksonville. There is one main difference. The intensity might be the same, but we all know that those fans jam-packed into Arrowhead are rooting for Kansas City. One of the loudest stadiums in the NFL. I just wouldn't be so cocky if I was Trevor Lawrence. And I don't, I'm don't. i not saying he is, but just an interesting thing I think I thought I'd bring up. that He says he's not too concerned about the Kansas City fans. They are some of the most die-hard fans in this league. So you know it's going to be a very, very entertaining atmosphere there in Kansas City. But I, I just can't see that the Jaguars are going to go there and pull off another mind-boggling upset. So that's why I'm taking the Chiefs. Next game, Saturday night, is the sixth-seeded Giants at the Philadelphia Eagles. And this is the upset that I am picking. You are not hearing me wrong. I am picking the New York Giants to win this football game. Here, I will tell you why I have this crazy upset happening. Because 
I did not pick them to beat Minnesota last week. I did not. And I thought Minnesota was going to go out there and get the job done. And that wasn't discrediting the Giants as much as it was complimenting the Vikings for how good they are. But the Giants completely proved me wrong and a lot of people wrong. And they got the win. And after what I saw, I have faith in the Giants to go to Philadelphia and win this game. If you remember, week 18, a couple weeks ago, they went to Philadelphia in a game that meant nothing to them. They were locked into the sixth seed. It wasn't that great of a first half from them with backup quarterback Davis Webb. But as the game went on, they kept fighting. It's a dabble mentality. You're not just going to roll over and die in a game by any means. And at the end of the game, it wound up being within a touchdown. They only lost by six in that game. And Jalen Hurts started that game, played that game, the whole game, because that was a game that meant a lot to the Eagles in terms of seeding. If they didn't win that game, they, a very good chance, would have not held on to that number one seed. Actually, they would not have, because the 49ers did win their game. And it was kind of shaky. Shaky performance from Jalen Hurts. Only 229 yards, no touchdowns, one interception. And to perform like that at home, in your return from injury in a game that is for the number one seed, does not fill me with confidence. So he has not played in a truly competitive game in over a month. Last time was against the Bears, December 18th, I believe the date was. So because of Jalen Hurts kind of getting this huge rest where he hasn't been playing football, and now with a bye week, I think he's kind of out of practice. I don't think he's going to come into this game and be firing on all cylinders. And the Giants' defense is going to make it even harder for them. We saw them make it hard for Minnesota, forcing a lot of punts, and just stopping them when it mattered. And most importantly, they stopped Justin Jefferson. They stopped the most threatening wide receiver in this league. So if they can do that, I have confidence in them halting A.J. Brown, which we all know is Jalen Hurts' favorite target that he has gone to time and time again, pass after pass this year. The one thing that Philadelphia does do well, very well, is run the ball. Whether it's Miles Sanders keeping it or Jalen Hurts uh, doing it himself, they run the ball well. They're one of the best in the category in the league. But I think that the Giants are going to do just enough to win this game despite that. Like I was saying before in the open to this podcast when I was talking about last week's games, Daniel Jones had a fantastic game. He didn't turn the ball over. He passed for over 300 yards. And to think about what he's doing with the receivers he has is really, really remarkable. The Giants do not have the same receiving core that they had last year. Lost Evan Ingram. No more Golden Tate, which Daniel Jones had um, earlier in his career. So he has to go to these young and new players on the team like Daniel Bellinger, Hodgins, even Darius Slayton, who has been questionable at times. I was acting with the team. He got benched earlier in the year. And it was amazing. Hodgins had over 100 receiving yards, 105 to be exact, 8 catches. And Saquon Barkley is, of course, the other propeller on this offense of the Giants that is looking up. 
He had two rushing touchdowns against Minnesota in definitely the season of his career, being able to stay healthy. Uh, that was the issue for him, his inability to stay healthy. He proved what he can do when he stays on the field this year. So I think that the Giants are going to go into Philadelphia. This is a cocky Philadelphia team with some cocky fans. No offense to them. And I think the Giants are going to shock the world. Do I think that the Giants are going to like kill them or anything? No, I think it'll be a very close game. Just like the Minnesota game was, but I think the Giants are going to come out on top. Then we move into the Sunday games after what's definitely going to be a thrilling Saturday. First game on Sunday is a very, very important one. Probably going to be the game of the week, in my opinion. That is the Bengals at the Bills. This was one of the most highly anticipated matchups of the regular season. Monday Night Football on primetime. We're looking forward to an incredible game. And then the tragedy that occurred was, of course, Damar Hamlin suffering the cardiac arrest and game being canceled. We did see just about two-thirds, I want to say, of that first quarter. And and the Bengals, they had the lead. They looked like the better team. Um, Their offense kind of tortured Buffalo on their first drive. Uh, A very pretty quick drive that got into the end zone. I forget who caught the touchdown or who got the touchdown. But now we're finally going to get to see a full game between these two juggernauts. The main thing, the main draw that each of these teams possess is their offense. Two fantastic quarterbacks with Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, um, incredible wide receivers, Jamar Chase and Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, all good young receivers, and the Bills have Diggs and Gabe Davis, who exploded for 227 receiving yards. Wow. Very, very high last week. So I'm expecting a high-scoring game in this one. I am going to pick the Bills to get the W. I do think they have the edge defensively. And another key area, the O-line. They didn't do a great job of protecting Josh Allen against Miami from their pass rushers because there were some incidents that I'm going to get into in a little bit. But the Bengals is just terrible. They let Joe Burrow get sacked four times against the Ravens. And... That is why Joe Burrow had such a limited game offensively. He was barely able to scratch 200 passing yards. He didn't have a crazy game that we were used to him seeing on this massive win streak that the Bengals have going on. And, like I say, every play starts with the offensive line. That is going to determine whether the quarterback has time to do what the play call is, whether he has time to hand it off, whether there's room for the runner, whether there's enough time for him to throw a dart. It all starts with the offensive line. And if you can't do a good job of blocking those pass rushers, 99 times out of 100, something bad's going to happen. And like I said, I was just going to get into the problems that the Bills had, because each of these teams had some issues last week. They were trailing early in the third quarter against Skylar Thompson and Miami at home. And that had me scratching my head. This was not the convincing win that I thought that the Bills were going to get. Wound up only getting the win by a field goal. And I I don't think that Miami put up the 31, I believe, 
points they had, it's not because of Buffalo's defense. It's because of mistakes that Josh Allen made. Two interceptions and the fumble, like I was saying earlier in the third quarter, that was returned for a touchdown. He is just not taking care of the football. He led the league this year in turnovers, and it's carrying over into the playoffs, it seems like. If he keeps making these mistakes, it's not going to end well, especially against a defense like the Bengals, which is... I don't want to discredit it, because it just had a really nice game against Baltimore. But it's not up there in terms of the efficiency. I'll say that to be nice. So you don't want to be giving them any gifts. You don't. As for the Bengals, their issues are mostly offensively. We're used to seeing Joe Burrow explode, Joe Mixon explode, but neither of that happened against a talented Ravens defense. But I think in this game, both offenses are going to get the opportunity to shine, to do well. I think it'll be close, but I do have the Bills coming out on top. And rumor has it that we might be seeing DeMar Hamlin in person make an appearance, so definitely keep your eyes peeled for that. Would be really nice to see him out there supporting his team. Then the final game of the divisional round is Sunday night at 6 o'clock. The Cowboys taking on the 49ers. This is an interesting game, but I still do have my pretty confident pick of the 49ers. I will give a little spoiler alert. I haven't talked too much about the future. I don't love to jump ahead to the unknown. I do have the 49ers making it to the Super Bowl. I'll say that much. Uh, Before the wild card started, I had a bracket and filled out. I had the 49ers going all the way. But let's pick it up with the 49ers last game. The first game of the wild card was the Niners and the Seahawks. And it started out really, really close. And it stayed that way throughout the first half. They actually trailed 17-16 going into halftime. And the biggest thing that I was like almost rubbing my eyes was, did the Niners really just give up 17 points at the half? We are not used to seeing their defense give up those kind of numbers, those kind of open looks, those stupid penalties. We're not used to seeing that from the elite Niners defense. But thankfully for them and for my Super Bowl pick, they picked up after that sketchy first half and they did a much better job containing Geno Smith and the Seahawks in the second half. They did wind up giving up a touchdown late on when the game was out of reach, but they forced uh, the turnover that kind of flipped the entire complexion of the game. Geno Smith had it, I believe it was floating right around the the end zone with a chance to either get a touchdown to, I believe it was take the lead at that point, or kick the field goal, which would have brought them closer. But instead, he throws the interception. No, no, it was a fumble. That's right, the fumble he had there, interception, was later in the game. The fumble that saw the 49ers take over, score, and that is kind of what put this game officially out of reach for the Seahawks. Brock Purdy is staying undefeated, and if he was only playing since the beginning of the season, even after Trey Lance got hurt, if he missed those first two games, he would be a shoo-in for Rookie of the Year. Absolutely. Because what he's done is absolutely incredible. They were on a win streak, the 49ers, with Garoppolo, when Garoppolo suddenly gets injured, and they turn to Mr. Irrelevant, 
the final pick of the draft. And he's outdone Garoppolo. He's outdone Trey Lance. He's outdone most quarterbacks in this league. It's out of this world. 332 yards, three passing touchdowns against the Seahawks this week. And that is what we have seen from Mr. Very Relevant right now. I mean, it's wild. I I collect sports cards. I don't know how many of my listeners get into that, but his cards, his sports cards are flying all over the place. It's ridiculous. Uh, For some of his autographs are floating there by the forty, fifty thousand dollar mark. So that's that's very, very wild to think about. And I don't see him slowing down. This Cowboys defense did well against the Buccaneers, but that kinda might be combined with the Buccaneers offense kinda just not having a lot of oomph on its own. Either way, they've been struggling as of late. They let Sam Howell, the rookie quarterback in week eighteen, lead the commanders to a pretty decisive win. Gave up a bunch to Gardner Minshew and the Eagles, another situation where they don't have their starting quarterback and they still score a lot. So this Cowboys defense has fallen off, and I think that opens the door for Purdy. And of course, like I was mentioning earlier, the 49ers defense, they might not have played a perfect game or anything, but in the second half when it mattered, they stepped up and they were their usual selves. I mean, they make life difficult for you, difficult as hell. I will say and give credit to Dak Prescott, he did have some game against the Buccaneers. That is a talented defense, and he threw for four touchdowns. (laughs) I mean, his kicker, Brett Maher, didn't help him out much, which I'm going to talk about a little bit more in a second. But it it was a dominating game from Dak Prescott from start to finish. There was a very close playoff game that the Cowboys lost last year where he kind of ran into the ref while he was trying to spike the ball, and that's what ended their season. This time, though, he was able to get the win. And now, Dak has earned himself a rematch of the team that eliminated them last year. And Brett Maher, who I just mentioned there for a second, he missed four extra points. I'm sorry, but I need to bring this up. Four extra points in a playoff game. That is not okay. I I don't know what was wrong with him, but he was pretty reliable throughout the year, so this was kind of a shock. People were thinking... They're going to advance. They need a new kicker, but no. Uh, the Cowboys have elected to stick with him. In fact, head coach Mike McCarthy said Maher needs to practice well this week. Yeah, I'd say that's an understatement. He needs to be practicing day and night as much as he can leading up to this game without overexerting himself. Because you can't go out there and do that. If this was a close wildcard game, like we saw in many of these other games, that could very well have cost them the game. And the Niners, as hot as they are, they're carrying an 11-game win streak into the playoffs, including last week's win. So I I think that they're going to remain hot and make it 12 in a row. All right, guys, that about wraps up this podcast. Thank you guys for listening. It was interesting wildcard weekend and should be Another very interesting weekend of football this weekend with a lot of fun games. And yeah, thanks for listening. I am WFAN the Kid.